all you mutated sons of bitches that's right there is mutated strains there is covid scares there is a lot going on out there so i hope you and yours are staying safe and doing everything that you need to do to survive and thrive in this strange world that we are living in but we have a great show for you today and i don't always say that you know i keep it 100 there's no cap on this show There are days where I'm like, you know, listen, it's the middle of the off-season, the show sucks, it is what it is, but we'll get through it together. This is not one of those days. We have a very, very good show for multiple reasons, including our first ticket giveaway of the season. We did it recently, about two, three weeks ago, and the winner did not claim their prize, unfortunately. So those are the rules. So we are going to... Go ahead and re-give away the tickets that we have for the Miami Dolphins-Atlanta Falcons matchup on August 21st. So that's coming up later in the show. And, you know, if I could just ask one thing, if anybody wanted to do us a solid, you know, text one friend, message one friend, just share this show. If everybody listening just shared this with one person, man, it it would just make my day. If you just sent it to one person and said, hey... These guys don't suck, you know? Check them out. That would be really, really appreciated. Uh, We're just, you know, we're trying to grow and we're trying to get bigger so that we can, of course, give back to you, all our lovely fans and everybody who's been riding with us and everyone all over the world. Hello to Finland. Lots of new listeners over there in Finland, and I appreciate every single one of you sons of bitches, no matter where you are living. So, camp is here. That's it. The off-season is done, man. There, There is no off-season from here on out. Camp is officially in session, and uh, we will actually be at Miami Dolphins camp uh, down in Apalaka uh, for the uh, Saturday, July 31st. That's this coming Saturday, depending on when you're listening to this episode. But uh, we will actually be there in person and we'll be looking very forward to meeting a lot of the uh, South Florida Miami Dolphin fans. And, you know, even if you're a fan of another team that just happens to stumble into that beautiful new facility that they have set up over there on the Hard Rock uh, property. So we are looking forward to being at camp. We will be uh, looking forward to meeting a bunch of you guys and, uh, of course, possibly going live from camp. We'll see how that works out. But looking at camps around the league... Aaron Rodgers is in the building, as is Deshaun Watson, as is Xavier Howard, and, you know, things are starting to kind of fall into place here. Now, everybody was wondering all offseason how this was going to play out with Aaron Rodgers, and if we're to believe, you know, what's been transpired, supposedly Rodgers is renegotiating his contract to where he will have say to basically where he plays next year. So the idea is that he comes back, has a last dance scenario, and then going into 2022, he has say to whether he gets traded or released or whatever it is. So uh, I believe the reports are that his 2023 year would be just voided off of the contract, 
and the 2022 year would be up in the air. The Packers would obviously try to convince him to stay for another one, but they are trying to put it in place where Aaron Rodgers would have say of whether or not he comes back for that second year, which I think he probably would not. Um, So that's his situation. And then now we're hearing that the Houston Texans may be trading Randall Cobb to the Green Bay Packers. So obviously, Randall Cobb, a long-time Green Bay Packer, and I'm sure that Aaron Rodgers had some say in that as well. So we'll see if that goes down and becomes official at the time of us recording this. It hasn't gone down. That's why we usually try to wait as long as possible to record these episodes because five minutes after you hit release, then that's it. It's old news, and then something else happens. But we talked about how much we love you guys, how much we continue to try to give back in any way we can, and we appreciate some of the OG fans. I mean, there are people that have been following us since day one when we had like 12 followers, and you guys know who you are. Um, there's way too many of you to name. There's some really great folks out there that have always supported us, uh, but one person, one person in particular, uh, goes by Mr. Wilson on Twitter, and he is a continuous contributor to the show. He always catches everything that we're doing and uh, always sends me DMs, ideas for the show, things that he doesn't hear anyone talking about or that he would like to hear, and we always try to fit him in when we can. Now, he had suggested a question for me on the show maybe a week or so ago, and I liked the question. It was a really, really good question. It was so good, in fact, that I did not want to just brush it off and answer it in a quick 30-second little clip. So this entire episode is dedicated to Mr. Wilson because he brought the question of which second-year players I liked, which second-year players I was really hype on or who I was interested or curious about. And it was such a good question that I really wanted to take the time to properly gather my thoughts and do kind of a team-by-team breakdown. So we're going to walk through all 32 teams. And, you know, so no matter who, who you're following, who, who your fandom is, we're going to get to you, and I'm going to tell you who I like on your team um, heading into that second year. Now, I will say I'm going to try to run through it a little bit quick because I know whenever you cover all 32 teams, that's usually an hour-plus episode. But uh, Daddy had a lot of provolone cheese today. So I'm telling you, I got about 60, 65 minutes in me max, and then uh, we're going to have to call it a show. So I'm going to try to get through this as fast as possible, not to mention get to our ticket giveaway and any other random things that I need to pop in here. So let's get right into the show. So obviously the Green Bay Packers are constantly in the news, so you know what, let's just start it off right there. So the Green Bay Packers, as far as second-year players that I'm really interested in, for me, it's A.J. Dillon. So A.J. Dillon was a second-round pick last year. Uh, He had 5.3 yards per carry on 46 touches. We know that Aaron Jones is the workhorse, right? And they were able to work out that contract, and Aaron Jones, you know, stayed in Green Bay, and that's great. However, A.J. Dillon still has a lot of potential. Um... So I really want to see what they can get out of A.J. Dillon going into year two. So that's my player to watch uh, for the Green Bay Packers. 
Now on the Minnesota Vikings, come on, you already know, Justin Jefferson has just exploded onto the scene. 1,400 yards as a rookie, seven touchdowns. He's going to try to build on that, obviously. People talk about the sophomore slump. I don't know if he will be able to keep up the pace that he had last year. The talent is there. No shade at all thrown to Justin Jefferson. But man, he was a beast last year, and now teams are going to be keying on him. They are going to try to take him away as best as possible. The only thing in his favor is that outside of Chicago, there isn't a lot of crazy defense in his division that he has to worry about at the moment. So, I think that Justin Jefferson, far and away, I mean, whether it's your fantasy charts or just your overall interest in watching second-year players, he's he's in my tier one, you know, so I, I think Justin Jefferson is a must-watch this year, and we'll see if he can repeat what he did in 2020. Now, let's move on to the Detroit Lions. DeAndre Swift, for me, is, is right there in tier two. So the one good thing that is going to benefit DeAndre Swift is Anthony Lynn is now the OC. So we know he loves his running backs, former running back himself. Um, DeAndre Swift had 10 touchdowns last year, but he only started four games, and then he had the injury issues. I forget. I I think it was a hip. Um, But this is his time to become a bell cow back. So this is where, if you're fantasy drafting, there might be some opportunity there depending on how competitive your league, how good of a league you really are in, and where people have him ranked, I think this could be an opportunity for DeAndre Swift to step up immensely off of where he was last year. So he's my favorite second-year player with the Lions. Now with the Chicago Bears, all aboard the Darnell Mooney train. So we just saw that Anthony Miller was traded to uh, Houston, And now this cements Mooney as the number two wide receiver there. So if Fields gets going between A-Rob drawing a lot of the coverage, I really like Darnell Mooney to take that leap uh, going into his year two. So that's my favorite player with the Bears. Now let's go to the NFC East, the New York Giants. So unfortunately, Xavier McKinney was someone I was really excited about coming out of the draft. Second round pick. He broke his foot before the season ever even happened, and then he ended up playing in the final six games. He had 24 tackles and an interception, but you know he never really got a chance to get out of the gate. So a team as much maligned as the New York Giants would love to see Xavier McKinney just come in and really play at a pro level. So that's an important position of need that the Giants have, and I'd be really excited to see Xavier McKinney show up for the Giants this year. So he's my favorite second-year player there. With the Eagles, you already know Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts you know, showed us some bursts, showed us some flash and some excitement, and now he's got Vontae Smith there. I mean, that could be huge. ESPN currently has... Uh, Jalen Hurts ranked as QB10 in fantasy. So I think that's fair. I think that's a very fair number. I think he could climb maybe a little bit higher by the end of the season if he really, really plays well. But I think QB10 is a really good place for him. Um, But his ability to obviously move with his feet and the things he can create, plus the fact that we know he can actually throw the ball and 
put it in a good place, and he has one of his wide receivers from college that he's familiar with, you can't say enough for that chemistry. And we've seen that, you know, time and time again this year, whether it's Jalen Waddle being reunited with Tua, whether it's Jamar Chase being reunited with Burrow. There's a lot of situations like that that are happening this year. Um, even look at, we talk about just a minute ago, uh, Randall Cobb possibly going back to uh, Green Bay to play with Aaron Rodgers. So, I think that that's a great thing for Jalen Hurts, and he's definitely in my tier two level of excitement where, you know, I want to watch. I'm curious. I'm very interested to see what Jalen Hurts can put together there in Philadelphia. So that moves us to the Washington football team. And I'm going to give you two names because I'm ecstatic about both of these people. Chase Young was a can't miss, you know, there's no such thing as a can't miss uh, project coming out of college. But. Chase Smith, you know, his first year was all over the place. Seven and a half sacks, 24 pressures, four forced fumbles, of which he recovered three fumbles on his own. And they had one of the best pass defenses in the NFL. We forget about Washington because their offense was so abysmal and they limped into the playoffs. But now they've got Fitzmagic at the helm. And if Fitzmagic plays even adequate, even adequate, this defense is going to take them places, and they are going to cause trouble for a lot of teams, especially in the NFC East. So I love Chase Young as a second-year prospect, as well as you cannot leave out Antonio Gibson. So third-round draft pick, 66th overall. He had 170 carries for 795 yards last year, 4.7 yards per carry in an abysmal offense. An abysmal... Look at the quarterback play that... Antonio Gibson had last year. Look at what any of those guys had to deal with in Washington last year. But yet Antonio Gibson managed to get 11 touchdowns in a horrible offense. I am buying high on Antonio Gibson, and you can bump him up on my draft board. I'm telling you, if he's there in a good spot and I have the opportunity, I am taking him because he is going to be a fantasy stud this year. Now, last but not least... Dallas Cowboys. So, CeeDee Lamb, last year he had too many drops. That's something he absolutely needs to improve on. He's in my tier two of interest because I loved him uh, coming out of college. I mean, even his draft night highlights were amazing. And he has a great ability to find holes in zone coverage and just sit down and find these holes and get open and then obviously what he can do once he gets his hands on the ball. So I'd love to see CCD Lamb. See, that's kind of like a tongue twister. I would love to see CD Lamb uh, develop in his second year, especially hitting the jugs machines and working on the drops. You can't have that, especially with all the hype that's surrounding the Cowboys now with Dak coming back. You, you have to be there for your quarterback. So hopefully he gets that under control. He's a player that I'm excited to watch going into their second year for the Cowboys. Now let's go over to the NFC West. The Seattle Seahawks, who fortunately are going to have Russell Wilson this year after some questions during the offseason. But the person that I am watching going into their second year is actually Damian Lewis, the offensive guard. So got to show some love to the big guys, the big uglies up front. And he was a third round pick, 69th overall in 2020. 
but his pass protection has to improve. Especially, it's 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 a tough task when you have Russell Wilson back there because he's not a guy who's going to hold on to the ball and get rid of it in two, three seconds. That's not him. He's going to hold on to it longer, which means you have to block longer and you have to also try to anticipate with Spidey sense out the back of your head where he is and where he's moving around in the pocket. So I get it. It's a tough task, but you know, the sky is the limit there. And if, Lewis can really improve on his pass protection, then he could be, you know, a solid, solid starter for the Seattle Seahawks for years to come. So that's somebody that I'm watching with Seattle. Now, my favorite player from the San Francisco 49ers who's going into their second year, if you listen to the show, you already know. It's Brandon Ayuk. I think this kid is so special. I think he is one of those players that you force the ball to him. You find ways early in the game to get the ball in his hands. In only 20, I'm sorry, in only 12 games last year, he had uh, 60 catches for 748 yards. And the only rookie last year who had more yards per game receiving than Brandon Ayuk was Justin Jefferson. That's it. Brandon Ayuk is special. Put him high on your draft boards. And I don't know what the quarterback situation is, how it's going to rule out. I I think it's going to be Jimmy G. But if something happens, Trey Lance is there and you never know. But either way, it doesn't matter. I'm that confident in Brandon Ayuk that I am absolutely drafting him if I get the chance. So let's flip over to the Los Angeles Rams. Now, Someone that I like uh, with the Los Angeles Rams that isn't in my tier one excitement, but somebody that I'm really curious and I want to watch is Van Jefferson. So we know that, you know, Akers is done for the year. He would have been my person going into the second year that I really wanted to talk about. But for Van Jefferson, this is really make or break because they did draft. Tutu Atwell as well. They've got Cooper Cup. You've got Woods. You've got Jackson. So Van Jefferson, even though this is only year two for him, he really needs to cement himself as an important part of that offense and a viable weapon for Matthew Stafford. And I think that, you know, he, he's going to get the opportunities. He will get the opportunities, and so what he does with those opportunities, he's going to have to maximize like nobody else because there are a lot of mouths to feed in this offense, and Van Jefferson is going to have to make every single moment count. So watch for him this year with the Rams. Now with the Arizona Cardinals, my player to watch is Josh Jones. So Josh Jones... He's left tackle when they drafted him out of college, but you're behind DJ Humphreys, and that's probably not going anywhere any anytime soon. So he only played 55 snaps all year in 2020. They could kick him inside. They could put him at right tackle. Uh, so they have some options there, but I would love to see him get on the field more for a third-round pick, 72 overall. You really want to see in year two him show that he can be a starter somewhere on that line for the Cardinals. So that's my guy to watch in year two for the Cardinals. Moving over to the NFC South. Let's start with the reigning Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So my player that I would be watching is Antoine Winfield Jr. I'm very excited about him. He's a great run stopper, good blitzer, 
but he has to not get burned on his big plays. That was really only kind of his bugaboo um, last year was he got burned at a very high rate on some big plays. I forget the exact number, but it just it, it wasn't good. But everything else he was doing, he was great at, and he's learning. I mean, listen, usually any DBs, safeties, like their first year is usually not great. It's usually not great. There are very few exceptions, but it's always a strong learning curve. But Antoine Winfield Jr. played very, very well in 2020, um, and I really want to see him, you know, kind of improve upon that going into 2021. Now, another player I, I will mention is, you know, you can't leave out Tristan Wirfs. He played exceptionally well, was pivotal in helping the Tampa Bay Buccaneers get a Super Bowl ring. Um, so obviously that's someone that I'm going to continue to watch as well, but I thought Antoine Winfield for me was just the person that I was personally kind of the most excited for going into year two for the Buccaneers. Now, before we leave the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, one interesting bit of information, uh, that I put out on our Twitter page today that I just thought was interesting was that the last time an NFL training camp began without Tom Brady on a roster. Whitney Houston and Destiny's Child had top 10 hits. Lance Armstrong had never won a Tour de France. Facebook wasn't invented. Trevor Lawrence wasn't even born. And the Houston Texans didn't even exist. That's how long Tom Brady has been playing fucking football. So just to give you some perspective of how old some of us are getting. Anyways, let's move on to the New Orleans Saints. So for me... My second-year player that I'm interested in is Adam Troutman. So here's the tight end that the New Orleans Saints took in the third round. Now Jared Cook isn't there anymore. You've had a lot of uh, pieces kind of move around on the Saints. Obviously, quarterback switch. We know how that's going to definitely affect things. But it's up to Adam Troutman right now to fight off Nick Vanette. So Troutman had 171 yards last year, which may not sound like a lot, but he had a 94% catch rate. That's what you want as a tight end. You want to be the security blanket of your quarterback. Show that you can be trusted that when he needs to get it to you, you are going to catch the ball. So that's something that Adam Troutman does well, and that's something that he can continue to build on going into 2021. He had 10.7 yards per target last year, so it's not like they're just little tosses at the line of scrimmage. He can definitely stretch the field a little bit as far as for tight end and whether it's Jameis, whether, you know, it's Taysom Hill, uh, one of those guys is going to be able to take advantage of Troutman. So I am excited to see what he does in year two. Now I will say with the Carolina Panthers, for me, here's a guy that we talked about a lot on the show, even going into last year's draft. So Kenny Robinson is the most intriguing person not only second-year player for the Carolina Panthers, but possibly in the entire league. So for those who don't know, who haven't followed the show, or just who don't know much about Kenny Robinson, Kenny Robinson played in the XFL for the St. Louis Battlehawks. And we talked about it, that this was one of those things before the XFL, you know, everything shut down, the AF, those things didn't really work out. The XFL was actually doing well, and then the pandemic happened. We all know what happened. But they were slated to come back at some point. Um, the Rock 
purchased the company and then now they're in talks with the CFL and we'll see how all that plays out. But the point is, we were talking about possibly alternative routes to the NFL. If you listen to the show, we've talked about the hub program. There are other ways than just go to college and then go into the draft. You can do other things and then still declare for the draft. So one of the people who took that route was Kenny Robinson, who played in the XFL, as I mentioned. So this is really a make or break for him. He was a fifth-round draft pick, 152 overall by the Carolina Panthers. Um, but, you know, he needs to take a huge, huge step forward. He really does. Um, you know, I want to see Jeremy Chin take a step as well going into year two. And I want to see Kenny Robinson take a step. If they can really improve that secondary there with Carolina, then they'll be way ahead of, of where they were previously. And it, it'll obviously help their offense and, and a lot of things will fall into place. So, But Kenny Robinson is one of my most intriguing prospects. And Kenny, if you're listening, man, we're rooting for you like a motherfucker. So I would love to see Kenny Robinson just really explode and, and step in to secure a permanent starting role with the Panthers there. And that leaves us with the Atlanta Falcons. So, with the Atlanta Falcons, the most intriguing person that I am watching on the Atlanta Falcons is Sterling Hoffrider, the punter. That's right, you heard me. The fucking punter. Sterling was drafted in the seventh round, 228th overall. Not quite Mr. Irrelevant, but if he doesn't get his shit together, he will be very close to irrelevant. So last year, he was 34th in average net yards. Remember, there's 32 teams in the league. He was 34th in average net yards and 34th in longest punts. So not good. Now, he is going to have to dramatically improve what he is doing, or they are going to kick his ass right out of town. And I love punters and kickers. They're people too, just like Rich Eisen has always said. But Sterling, you got to dig deep, man. You got to figure out, you know, where, where the have to is inside because you have to get this thing going and prove that you belong on the Atlanta Falcons. So he's who I'm most intrigued with. Uh, with the Atlanta Falcons going into year two, but also their linebacker, Michael Walker, uh, very promising, keeping an eye on him as well. Now let's flip it over to the AFC. Obviously, if we're going to start with the Cincinnati Bengals, it starts and practically ends with Joe Burrow. Now, Joe Burrow, for as much excitement that was surrounding him, he unfortunately, we, we know he got injured last year, we know it happened, but in the 10 games that he played in, where he was sacked 32 fucking times, uh, he was 24th in rating last year. He was 22nd in completion percentage, and he was 28th in touchdown percentage. However, on a good note, he had the third lowest interception percentage, which, again, the guy was just running for his life back there and just trying to complete a pass. So I don't hold any of these bad numbers against him, but now you're talking about year two. Now he's supposedly healthy. 
probably won't play any in preseason or anything like that, but they claim that he'll be ready for week one, which is a huge shock to me because I really thought it would be October before we even thought about seeing Joe Burrow. And if it was me, and I'm not 135% convinced that Joe Burrow is in his tip-top form, I am not letting him go anywhere near a pair of cleats because this is supposed to be your future. I know that you know, coaches on the hot seat there, and you know that that may play into things. But damn, man, you cannot risk the future of the organization by rushing this kid back. So obviously, he's an intriguing prospect going into year two that I want to watch with the Bengals, as well as a star already in the making in T. Higgins, their wide receiver that they have who went 67 for 908 yards last year, 13.6 yards of reception. He's a viable deep threat. The guy can definitely uh, be a weapon to your offense, and now you've added Jamar Chase into that situation. And, I mean, they had good receivers in Cincinnati. That's one of the reasons why I didn't agree with the Jamar Chase pick, which is nothing to do with Jamar Chase, who I, I think is all the talent in the world, just because of, you know, Joe Burrow getting his ass kicked back there for 10 games and 32 sacks until he ultimately got practically murdered on the field. Um, but T. Higgins will be another person that I'm watching going into their second year. So let's slide over to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, the Pittsburgh Steelers got a couple of players that I'm watching. Obviously, we all know that Chase Claypool, you know, burst onto the scene, showed tons of promise. His catch rate could be a little bit better, but I'm excited to see what he does and what I think will be a sunset year for Big Ben uh, when he tries to run it back and do his own version of the last dance. Another player, though, going into their second year that I really like and I want to watch is Alex Highsmith. So outside linebacker, he was a little bit inconsistent, but he has flashes. He has flashes where you go, oh, wow. Like, you know, if he can put it together going into year two, if he can get a better understanding of the defense and where he's supposed to be and anticipate and just let the game kind of slow down and come to him, then he will be really fun to watch this year in that Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Now let's talk about the Cleveland Browns. For me, Harrison Bryant. So I know that Harrison Bryant is behind Njoku and Hooper. But last year, 24 catches, 238 yards, three touchdowns. He's no slouch. And the Cleveland Browns, you know, they, they have their ground pound game. Like, like we understand how the offense works. They like their tight ends a lot. And don't rule out the possibility of either now or before the trade deadline that one of those other tight ends gets moved. I think there is a possibility that one of those other tight ends gets moved, that something happens there. So if so, that could catapult Harrison Bryant into a much more prominent role with the Browns, and in which case possibly some fantasy relevance for your fantasy teams. So keep an eye on that. Now with the Baltimore Ravens, it's going to be the guy that I screamed and cursed at coaches over so many times shouting at my TV last season, and that is J.K. Dobbins. So when a team like the Baltimore Ravens, who not only set the record for most rushing yards in a season, but then most rushing yards over two seasons and just run the ball like crazy 
drafts J.K. Dobbins, you're like, how do the rich get richer? This is insane. And then they went every other day from Mark Ingram to J.K. Dobbins to Gus Edwards all of a sudden, and you never knew who was going to get the carries in any given game. I swear if I didn't know better, I would say someone with the last name Shanahan was back there working with the running backs because that screamed to me like a Shanahan move. Whether it was Mike, Kyle, doesn't matter which Shanahan it is, that's how they use their running backs, and you can never bank on them in fantasy because they could go for 200 yards, and the next game they'll get four fucking carries. So, having said that, we don't have to worry about Mark Ingram anymore, but Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards and John Harbaugh scare the shit out of me. Gus Edwards actually had 10 more carries than J.K. Dobbins last year, but yet, you ready for this? J.K. Dobbins had six yards per carry six yards per carry last year do you know how stupid that is do you know what a stupid number that is six yards per carry so i am hoping to see a lot more jk dobbins this year but am i confident enough to really take him probably where adp is no i am not because i don't trust gus and john that's my situation but I love me some JK, and I'm very intrigued to watch him going into year two. Now, let's bump over to the AFC East. So, you've got the New York Jets, Makai Becton. You know, that was pretty much one of the few things that Adam Gase did right, and uh, one of the parting gifts that he left with the Jets is Makai Becton. So, obviously, if they can continue to build that line and protect your new quarterback, Zach Wilson, that will be very beneficial for the things that they are trying to do there in New York. So I think Becton is a stud, and obviously I'll be watching him going into year two to see how he can build uh, on top of that. And for the New England Patriots, it's Michael Onwenu. So he played every position on the line last year. He actually ended up being ranked by PFF as the eighth best tackle in the NFL. Not eighth amongst rookies, eighth best tackle in the NFL as a rookie and now he's going into his second year and he can play every single spot on the line so that is a great great asset to have um when you're trying to protect your quarterback someone that versatile and someone who picked it up and ran with it that fast as a rookie and you're talking about a guy who was a sixth round pick 182 overall i mean that might be one of the better steals in the draft was uh, Michael Onwenu, because actually, when you go look at the New England Patriots draft from 2020, it was not very good. It was not very good at all. You had a kicker who didn't even make it on the team, and there was an issue that he was maybe supporting some causes he shouldn't have, and that got out of hand. You had other players who barely played a few snaps a few games like it just when you go back and look at that draft it was really atrocious really atrocious but the one home run that they hit was this kid right here and i think he's going to be very very good for them so i'm looking forward to watching him going into his second year now we slip down to the miami dolphins and you already know who are you watching year two in the miami dolphins you're watching tua tongue of iloa like that's it because i want to see him fully healthy, with an 
actual offseason under his belt, I want to see full force Tua. Because all these people who are saying after like nine games that they should throw the guy out in the streets, and all those people are fucking morons, obviously. But all these people just completely casting aside the fact that not only was he coming back from a grueling injury, but he had no offseason. COVID was in full shutdown. There were no mini camps. There was no OTAs. There was there was nothing. They had a quick ramp up period and go. And he wasn't even the starter for obvious reasons. He shouldn't have been. And then, you know, they tried to groom him and everything else. But now this is his team. This is Tua's team. And he's had the entire year. And, as we talked about earlier, he gets one of his familiar weapons in Jalen Waddle, And that is going to be a lot of fun to watch. So I'm very geeked up to watch Tua going into year two. think it's going to be really exciting. Now let's talk about the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills have a young man named Gabriel Davis. He had seven touchdowns, 17.1 yards per reception. He is an insane deep threat for them, but he had a 56.5% catch rate in 2020. That is not going to cut it. And now they added Emmanuel Sanders to that wide receiver room who is way more sure-handed. That is a crowded room now. And I think Emmanuel Sanders is actually going to push Gabriel Davis to get better, as if Stefan Diggs wasn't doing it already. But I am hoping that the law of averages, that uh, guilty by association, you know, whatever you want to call it, that Gabriel Davis will improve his catch rate because I think he shows a lot of potential. And I really want to see what he does uh, going into year two with the Buffalo Bills. So, full disclosure, because we always keep it 100, um, I'm very glad that this is not a live show, and this is something I can pre-record, because I told you I could make it about an hour. I only made it about 37 minutes in. So I've spent the last half hour away from the microphone, we shall say, and there are a lot of candles burning in the house right now. But let's get back to what we were talking about. Second-year players... Let's talk about the AFC West. So, of course, you've got Justin Herbert, who absolutely eliminated doubt that he belonged as a top 10 pick in last year's draft. There was a lot of talk between Tua Tungabailoa, Justin Herbert, who was the right pick. Obviously, they ended up going 5-6 right next to each other, and they are going to be compared for the rest of their careers. We know what happened to Joe Burrow. Obviously, the injury was unfortunate. Uh, Tua didn't end up starting. And then, you know, when he did, he was kind of inconsistent and so hasn't been able to show his full potential yet. Justin Herbert, on the other hand, showed up and said, I am here and this is my team. And so I am very excited, very high on Justin Herbert, not just as a fan of football watching the uh, second-year player, But as a fantasy owner, I can tell you that he is definitely on my radar when it comes to quarterbacks. Now, we know how it's going to go in fantasy. We know that uh, Mahomes and Josh Allen are going to be 1A, 1B, and honestly, you could inter-switch either two of those guys as as your 1QB overall, and I have no problem with it in fantasy. And then as you start to come away from those guys, Justin Herbert is is going to be very in that mix 
for uh, that next tier there. So I am going to be watching him and seeing where he falls on the draft board when it comes up for uh, my fantasy draft that we have. So I love Justin Herbert. I'm excited to see what he does. And for everybody out there who may not be aware, it is possible for you to like more than one player on more than one team. Now make no mistake, your your team over everything always. You know, for me personally, it's Miami Dolphins, you know, that Dolphins over everything all day every day. But I still have a very large affinity for the NFL at large and I appreciate all the different players and what they do and and it's just like I have such a strong love for the game that I hate this idea that you know when you have two players that play a similar position you can only like one or the other or one is awesome and the other's hot trash like why can't they both be good uh you know so I I think it's really ridiculous sometimes when we try to compare some of these people and just try to definitively say that one of them sucks when they're all better than 99% of the rest of us sitting on our couch talking shit out of our ass. So having said that, that's who I like with the Chargers, but let's go to the Kansas City Chiefs who are going to do their damnedest to make another run at that Super Bowl this year. And I want to talk about Legereus Sneed. We talked about how defensive backs usually that first year is very underwhelming for them as it's a very strong learning curve. However, Legereus Sneed played outside of his mind last year, and I am very excited to see what he does going into year two, not to mention Clyde Edwards-Alaire. We know that we had big expectations for him going into last year. He didn't really live up to the uh, Jonathan Taylor type results that we were kind of hoping we would get out of him if we you were a fantasy owner, but Everything seemed to work out. The offense was clicking on all cylinders. You know, when you have a tight end who is rivaling wide receivers for the most reception yards in the league, there's a lot of things clicking on offense. So I want to see more out of CEH this year. I think he's going to be featured a lot more prominent. Um, and between him and Legereus Sneed, those are the two guys in Kansas City that I'm watching going into year two. Now with the Las Vegas Raiders... For me, it's another big ugly. We're going to talk about John Simpson. So we know that the offensive line of the Raiders has been a huge talking point this offseason. At one point, it looked like they were going to jettison everybody on the offensive line and completely scrap it. Then they said, well, maybe, you know, we'll bring a couple of these guys back. You know, let's see what we can do. And right now, John Simpson is fighting for a starting spot, but the Raiders need good O-line play badly and as someone who was a Josh Jacobs owner last year and could not fathom the underutilization of him um, you know I can tell you that as that offensive line goes that team will go and I know that they brought in Kenyon Drake this year which was a little bit puzzling to me I mean they have Washington there they, they have a little bit of a crowded room as running backs are so that's what scares me a little bit away from Josh Jacobs not from a talent level because I love Josh Jacobs but just because that's a little bit of a crowded room and I don't know if they're going to try to Shanahan the shit out of that thing over there but part of the success will rely on John Simpson securing a starting role on that offensive line and I want to see what he does going into year two now let's talk about someone who had very lofty expectations going into their rookie season, and that is Jerry Judy with the Denver Broncos. 
Jerry Judy is in my tier two of interest level because I was very hyped for him and I wanted to see what he was going to do with Denver, but he had the second worst drop rate in the NFL. He actually dropped five passes in one game and he had 113 targets on the year. 113 and he only caught 46% of those passes. That is abysmal. That is disgusting. And that doesn't mean that this is going to be something for the rest of his career that he can't, you know, build on his first year and get better. And of course, I am not going to ignore the fact that he had trash quarterback play. You had moments where Drew Locke all of a sudden would go Garner Minshew for like half a second and be like, oh, wow, this kid might be pretty good. And then, oh, uh, maybe not. So jury's still out on Drew Locke. Jury is still out on Jerry Judy, but I want to see him improve on that catch rate. He absolutely has to do something about that. You can't do much about the quarterback play that's kind of out of your hands. You can't control a lot of things in the NFL, but you can control your catch rate when it's that bad. You can control your drop rate when it's that bad. So that's something I'm sure he's been working on all offseason, and I'm very excited to see if he can bounce back and be not only an important staple for the Denver Broncos, but also have some fantasy relevance for those of us who are looking to draft a good wide receiver and put onto our rosters. And last but not least, here comes the AFC South. So Indianapolis Colts, you know it's Jonathan Taylor. I mean, he was a top three back. Like, he is, he is a top three back, you know, for me. He has the highest catch rate in the NFL, 92.3%. And sure, he gets thrown some passes behind the line of scrimmage, at the line of scrimmage. That's fine. But when you have very secure hands, when you're not going to mess that opportunity up, that bodes well. That bodes well not only for your relationship that you're building with your quarterback, but it also bodes well for your yards after catch that you're going to get your fantasy points. If you're someone in fantasy, that's something that, that matters if you have a very, very high catch rate and you're good catching the ball out of the backfield. So that's going to be something that's important as he builds a relationship with his new quarterback now that uh, Carson Wentz has come to town in Indianapolis. So everybody's going to be watching Jonathan Taylor um going into his second year this year, and he should be very, very high on your fantasy boards this year. He is going to be an absolute stud, so take him with extreme confidence. And another player that I have extreme confidence in is LaVisca Chenault with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So he was actually second best in the NFL last year with contested catches. And I would actually put him over DJ Chark. If I was drafting in fantasy, for me, Give me LaVisca Chenault. I think that he is going to have a great second year. I think he's going to do really well. It remains to be seen what we're going to expect out of the quarterback play, but I think given on what the Jaguar receivers have had to work with and the inconsistency there, I think it's going to be fine, and I'm really excited to see what Chenault does going into year two. With the Houston Texans, we just talked about quarterback play. Will it be Deshaun Watson? Will it be someone else? All points are, all signs are pointing to it not being Deshaun Watson. Maybe some miracle thing kind of works itself out, but I wouldn't expect it to be Deshaun Watson unless he works one of those deals that's what Aaron Rodgers is rumored to have working where he's going to clip off years of his contract, which 
even if Aaron Rodgers has enough pull to pull that off, which would be amazing, uh, Watson isn't there yet by any stretch of the means, and that has nothing to do with his play. It just has to do with the length of his career and how long he's been in the league. So having said that, though, I think the Houston Texans do move on from him and uh, that will shake some things up on offense. So I'm actually going to look at the defense as far as a second-year player that I have my eye on. And the second-year player I have my eye on is Ross Blacklock. So he is an undersized defensive tackle. He's got athleticism. He's got moxie. Um, I think this was the guy who got ejected for punching somebody in college. Uh, he's got a lot of fight in him, but he has to improve and get off blocks better. He's going to have an opportunity to do that this year with the way the defense is going to be set up. It's going to be more of a 4-3 from my understanding. There'll be more defensive tackles on the field, so it'll be a little bit of an opportunity for him to be on the field more, uh, definitely get some more experience, and uh, if he can learn to get off those blocks, then he could be a really big contributor for the Houston Texans, which they would like because they spent a second round draft pick on him and they would love to see a return on that investment. So finally, we have the Tennessee Titans and another second round pick that I am watching closely and that is Christian Fulton. So Christian Fulton had a very unfortunate year last year. First, he ended up on the COVID list and then once he got back from the COVID list, then he ended up on the IR for a knee injury. He played sparingly week 17 and the playoff game. So he really didn't have a lot of opportunities under his belt to do anything. But Tennessee's defense is definitely something that has been lacking. We know that they haven't been able to get after the quarterback. Their pass rushing has been abysmal, and that has left the secondary out to dry. And vice versa, you know, some of the secondary play hasn't been, you know, extremely... Uh, well done. Um, so Christian Fulton going into his second year, I want to see what he can do. I want to see if he can really cement himself as a NFL starter. And that completes all 32 teams in our breakdown of second year players that I am excited for. But we're not done yet because remember, we have a pair of tickets to the Miami Dolphins Atlanta Falcons game August 21st, the only home preseason game that is in Miami at Hard Rock, and these are lower bowl seats. This is, I believe it's in the end zone. I mean, these are these are good seats. You know, I know it's preseason, but these are good seats. We were able to secure them, and we're going to give them away to uh, one of our listeners. So I actually have the wheel pulled up here, and we are going to go ahead and give this bad boy a spin, and somebody is about to win tickets if they are listening. Let's find out. Round and round we go. Round and round we go. Round and round we go. It is at Reese Beck. At R-E-E-S-E-B-E-C-K. So at Reese Beck, congratulations. Slide in the DMs. Let us know that you listen to the show and you would like to claim those tickets because if you do not claim them, you know how this works. So appreciate Reese. Appreciate everybody else who entered into our contest this week for the giveaway. We're going to have a bunch more coming up. Uh, we may end up 
doing some live segments later in this week, possibly into next week. So keep an eye on Twitter for that, at Regulators Pod. Make sure you are following us for all the best memes and information and stats and all the great things we are working on. Do not forget, we will be at Dolphins Training Camp this Saturday, July 31st, and we will be at a bunch more camps uh, going forward after that. So thank you very, very much for listening. I appreciate the shit out of every single one of you. Hey, even you. Yes, you. I appreciate you. So thank you very much. I love you guys. We will catch you in the Twitter streets. Peace. Peace.